There is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. And so welcome to another thrilling podcast of the Paranoia Podcast. I am Olaf and I'm Ron Patton, the editor-in-chief of Paranoia. Oh, yeah, and I publish it. I am yeah. Joe, Zero Dark Radio. Yes, we have a guest tonight. Woohoo! First one ever. First one ever. Hallelujah, Joe. Really? Hallelujah, Joe. Oh. I'm the first guest ever, huh? You are the yes. first guest ever coming, coming to us live from somewhere in Northern California, Joe, Zero Dark Radio. That's right. Follow me on uh, social media, anybody listening, and... Uh, we're broadcasting live from the San Francisco Bay Area, and Ron is somewhere in Portland, Oregon. Yes. That is correct. He's About seven seven stories deep in an underground bunker. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. in a conspiracy cabana uh, currently. Mm. All right. Yeah. So I was talking to Ron, and I said, hey, Ron, what do you want to talk about? And so we went back and forth, and, you know, we talked about anal probes and, and talked about UFOs <laughs> and ghosts and a lot of which other is, stuff. Which is really hot. The anal probes are really hot lately, Don't be especially with the blue, blue orbs and anal probes. Don't be inappropriate, Ron. No, okay. it's all good. It's all good. It's all, it's all relative to tonight's topic, by the way. Sure, sure. <clears throat> You're going to scare Joe. All right, so anyway, so we were talking about it, you know uh, – Joe was kind enough to let me know that that uh, toward the end of October, uh, HempCon, which is a big deal here, uh, they do it every year. Well, apparently they've got another thing they're doing called, funny enough, Halloween, uh, which is I guess their Halloween reggae festival. And it's gonna Correct. Be, yeah, it's going to be out at the uh, out at the Cow Palace. So cows, weed. There you go. So uh, you know, I was talking to Ryan. I said, Hey, Ron, you know what we should do? We should do the weed conspiracy. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Ron. Remember we had that conversation or did you forget? Uh, uh, okay. Ron. Yeah, I think I remember. I just, think I remember. Just nod. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so being the no bullshit kind of show we are, so I, I want to mm-hmm. jump straight into it. So, Joe, you, you, uh, run a dispensary, right? Correct. Correct. So you're, you're in the middle of it. That's a very, very good way to describe it. So now, coming, the reason I thought it was kind of important to cover is that, you know, obviously where Ron lives, it's legal. And in Washington State, it's legal. Colorado, it's legal. And, you know, I have yet to hear anybody I know in, in Colorado, Washington, or Oregon bitch and say, oh, no, we shouldn't have done it. But here, you know, we tried before and we failed. Um, I think it was kind of sort of close but there's a lot of buzz at this time that there's enough mm-hmm. traction that they think they're going to le- legalize it but 
I wanted to talk about it because it's it's that time that November's coming. You know, it's not just a presidential election. You know, we're in the state of California. We're talking about legalizing marijuana. So I, I wanted to bring somebody on who could kind of talk to it, talk to this and tell us about what it's been like so far, because it's been kind of hairy from what I've seen in the news for dispensaries. There have been a lot of raids and people getting shut down and, you know, different cities waking up one morning going, no, we want, don't want dispensaries now. And, and then others going, yes, we do. And so it's, it's kind of complicated. So I thought, you know, I asked Joe to come on and kind of talk to us about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me on, you guys. Um, it has been a very uh, tricky for the dispensaries. Um, I think it's pretty clear to the American public that there is a conspiracy going on here, that the government is trying to fight tooth and nail to not legalize this miracle plant, this gift from the heavens, this natural alternative to mm-hmm. the poisons that all these doctors are giving the American people. Now, you know, hmm. one one of the things that I thought was was very interesting is that, you know, here in California for a long time, we've, we've had medicinal marijuana that if you, you know, have anxiety or whatever, you can go get a card and then you can legally go to a dispensary or, you know, like Joe's and, and get some marijuana. And, and, you know, it helps you sleep. I know a couple people are insomniacs. It helps them sleep. Other people, it's helped them with anxiety, arthritis, a lot of other stuff. But one of the interesting things that I, I had heard, and I actually had never read it specifically, but apparently in the state of California, from what I understand, that you can, if you have a, if you pass the test and you have a card, so that you can buy a handgun or a firearm that if you also have a medical marijuana card that they that the feds will actually reject your application your background check yes um that there's half truths to that and there's not half truths to that uh, the the only way that that would happen is if you're at a gun store and you basically either admit to the guy tell the guy or show the guy that you have a cannabis card. Oh. Uh, right now, there are no bells and whistles. There's no computer system. There's no there's no bells or whistles that's going to go off if you attempt to buy a cannabis card, or I'm sorry, a firearm, and you already uh-huh. have cannab- and you already have a cannabis card. Um, that that's basically half truths, half. Uh, urban legend um the only reason that you gotcha. would be rejected is if you're standing there you open your wallet up and the guy happens to see your medical marijuana card if you happen to mention right. to the guy yeah i have a medical marijuana card or he somehow uh-huh. found out about it but um other than that there are no bells and whistles or computer system in place to prevent medical marijuana patients from buying a firearm at this time unless you're a felon yeah, unless you're a felon, but um, that that that's already been in place since God knows how long. So. I know. Now, one of the questions that I had for you, since you do run a dispensary, and like I said, you're, you know, you're you're up on it, and you're watching this, and I mean, you you have a vested interest in in understanding what's going on. I mean, how how has the 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 marijuana conspiracy or the weed conspiracy, and how has it affected you as a dispensary? That's a um, that's a very good question. Um, 
How has the marijuana conspiracy hmm. affected me? Um, I would not say. Hmm, let's see here. Well, let me put it to you this way. When I first started uh, using cannabis back in 2007, it was a totally different atmosphere. Um, right. I I basically got punished for it. I was ripped out of high school and sent away to a rehabilitation program over marijuana. So this is about a little less than 10 years ago. Wow. And to, today I make a living in the medical you know, marijuana industry. And my family knows about it. My friends know about it. My, my old teachers all know about it. So it's a totally different world than what it was nine years ago. Um, how has it affected me? Well, the negative experience from nine years ago of getting sent away and, you know, being told that, you know, weed is an addictive drug and all that, all that terrible stuff that they shame people with for using this plant. That really pushed me to bring the light uh, towards the truth here about the plant, about cannabis. So, so, so what, what? So you know, obviously, you you run a dispensary. <clears throat> you have patients, customers that come in and, and buy the stuff, and they use it. I mean, what what kind of effects has have you seen it have on people? Well, I'm going to put it to you really simply. Um, the most common thing that I hear people say, cancer patients, sick people, um, I feel normal again. That's the most common thing that I hear people say is I feel normal again or I feel human again. Because, um, you know, it's very hard to understand. These people have been prescribed and had tons of medications shoved down their throats by doctors they can't even function anymore their brains are totally worn out their bodies are totally worn out from the diseases and from the the toll that the medications are taking on their bodies so you know it's really hard to imagine the stuff that these people are going through and for them to say i feel human again that's just that means the world to me yeah i would bet i mean you see it every day so, so I, I was looking around and trying to find a list of, of all the of all the the conspiracies around marijuana. And there are a few, but I found one where it said the six amazing conspiracies involving drugs and the government. Okay. So number one, and I, I'd be interested in hearing your take on it. You too, Ron. Since I know Can you hear me right now? Yeah, I can yes. hear you. Okay, great. Just want to make sure. So the number one, it says, is marijuana banned due to hemp hemp competition? Mm-hmm. And that, that goes way back. It does go way back. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, that that's a very – you know, we could get into that for hours and hours and hours. I've heard that it's it's banned over racism. I've heard that it's banned over hemp, like what you were just saying about the, the competition of hemp, that uh, hemp would basically drive out all the other fuels and all the other things that we're using right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of weird theories about why cannabis became illegal. And mm-hmm. to give you a straight answer, I don't know why it's illegal. Well, I think probably number two, for, for my money, I think number two is probably the reason. And it says marijuana banned to control big pharma trade. 
And I think that's yeah. probably I think that that's probably your the uh-huh. nail right there. Yeah, today, uh, definitely today, that is the 100 percent the reason why the feds are fighting this thing tooth and nail, why they do not want to give in to legalizing it, why they don't right. want to. Ad- they don't even want to admit that it has medicinal qualities. They don't want to do the research. They don't want to spend the money on the research. Um, but as far as why has it always been illegal, like back in the 30s or the 20s, whenever we banned it, I just don't know. Well, I, I mean- really it could right. be big pharma back then too. I mean, a lot probably. I I don't think quite as much though. I I think it was just more of how our society was, uh, you know, as a culture. And you know, you used to have uh, commercials uh, at movie theaters like Reefer Madness back in the fifties, well, and so yeah. So I I think uh, yeah. Did they have big pharma? Well, yeah, but not as prevalent and prominent as it is today. So I think it was more of a, a cultural, societal type thing back in those days. But definitely, uh, one one could say that yeah, our uh, the pharmaceutical industry has a very uh, big hand in spreading disinformation, you know, about the medicinal qualities of cannabis. One hundred percent correct. Yeah, I mean, you know, they it, it's always struck me that that they you know, I mean, we have a generally failed drug control policy in this country. The you know, the the red ribbons and telling people, "Oh, don't do this and don't do that." You know, it's never worked properly. You know, it's I I would argue to you that that even back since the 80s, since the Nancy Reagan era, I mean, we we have a a exceptionally failed drug control policy. And, you know, you know, the biggest I think one of the biggest reasons why is is the CIA. I mean, the CIA has been running drugs for decades. You know, uh, Rupert, uh, Rupert talked about it. You know, Michael, Michael Rupert. Yeah, uh-huh. that's that's his whole thing. I mean, he you know, he when he was down in South Central, he was working uh, narcotics. I mean, he caught them bringing it in. So, you know, I, I think that there's for my 10 cents, I think that big pharma is a part of it, but there's some sort of larger control system that that's trying to regulate it that doesn't want to release it for some reason maybe it's too easy to grow or i don't know i mean it's a weed you can grow it anyway well it's it's also just being able to regulate it and uh you know almost anybody can really grow it now and it's it's really come down to uh the you know very refined on a horticultural perspective and even Science has found out a lot about the different qualities and the various types of hybrids and how you can extract THC and CBD. And uh, so, yeah, when you when you're empowering the people, uh, the government gets a little concerned about that because they can't regulate it. Very concerned. And not only that, they probably get involved in the black market side of things, too, to ensure that it stays illegal, but at the same time, they benefit from it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Cause, yeah, mean, they play off both sides. That's right. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's it's interesting because, you know, as as a, a citizen of, of a state that's looking at legalizing it, you know, for me, I'm, I'm not really a user of this stuff. But, you know, one of the things that strikes me is that by legalizing it, we take the criminality out of it. So now all uh-huh. these these guys that are running drugs up from from Mexico and Central America, where they have vast, I mean just vast plantations growing this stuff, you know it's going to take that out, 
And so then it's regulated, you know, it's, it's taxed, it's, it's uh, mm-hmm. certified, you know, you know what's in it, mm-hmm. there's nothing cut into it. That's right. Right. You know, it's safer, you know, and, and we can control it as a society. You know, we can put right. r- controls in place. And I, what I don't understand as a citizen is why would they not want to do that? That's why I firmly believe in the marijuana conspiracy, the weed conspiracy, the hemp conspiracy, whatever. There has to be some something there mm-hmm. because they're working too hard to kill it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was thinking about this, I think, this morning or yesterday, and the only conclusion I came to was they have to be making millions of dollars somewhere keeping it illegal. Well, somebody is. Right. But I mean, again, that's the division between state, which it's really benefiting. You know, the, the revenues are just off the off the charts from both or, you know, Colorado, then Washington, now Oregon. These states are making a lot of money. But are the are the feds benefiting from it? No, they're not. So thus you have that sort of division between state and, and federal government. Yep, and not only that, California is the third or fifth largest economy in the world. Yeah, that alone. Yeah, it's going to be something. So, you know, when California comes online here, it's it's it has the potential to change the world, I think. Well, I really. Think, I think you're going to see a lot of other stuff fall into place once, you know, if we do legalize it, I think you're going to see a cascade. At mm-hmm. least along the coasts. I mean, in the interior of the country, I don't know. The flyover states, you know, you may never be able to go to Indiana might, and buy weed, but, you know, at least along yeah, the coast. Yeah, it might take a while. Yeah, I think that won't happen until there's a national referendum. And I don't know how that would go. But what's interesting is that if, if we legalize it here, the entire West mm-hmm. Coast, it'll be legal. Right. Which I find fascinating. That's right. Yeah. That's true. And, That's and, very true. Yeah, and you know, I out of, out of curiosity, when when I was in Seattle, you know, at the time I didn't know that it was legal in Oregon, but it, you know, obviously it's legal in Washington State at the time. You know, I I went into a dispensary just to see what it was like, and it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's an interesting experience because a lot of people what they think about is you know back in the in the dark ages when you know you're in high school and. A guy knows a guy who 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 can get that stuff. And, you know, you walk into a dispensary. I've never been to one in California, but you walk into a dispensary and there's like a menu. I mean, they got it down to a fine art. It's like, well, you can take this one and you can get couch lock. I guess that's called. You basically basically don't want to move. God. (laughs) But you can think. You know, and it's like you, it's all broken down by the different strains. So it's like, okay, this one, this one will help you. And literally, it'll say like, it said like, you can think okay, but you'll not want to move. So oh, this God. one's good for meditation. And then there's another one. It's like, right? You know, this will make you sleepy. Good for insomnia. And it's literally, yeah. And they had people who behind the counter. They're like, you know what? Why are you taking it? You know, are you taking it for fun? Are you right. taking it for insomnia? Do you have cancer? Or, what's, your, what's your problem? Right? Or is there like an aphrodisiac one? I wonder. That's right. No, they do. They actually recently made one for women. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> yeah, but that one's a lotion, though. Oh, uh, okay. 
Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah I got to get a hold of that. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard good things. I'll, I'll rub you the right way, baby. Trust me. <laughs> All right, Ron. Okay, getting out of hand here. Sorry about that. You're, you're drifting again, Ron. Have, have, yeah. some, have some yogurt. Here, I'm, I'm eating it now, dude. Meeting it now, <laughs> but but you know that you know Joe that really struck me is that that you know, I mean obviously the names are are different you know, but the actual effectiveness of it that it, it it apparently fairly accurately described what it would actually do, and I, I found that fascinating because you know it goes to contr- control right that that if you know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy from Humboldt. Or you know a guy you know a guy who knows a guy who can just get mm-hmm. it. You just get you know when you were in high school thirty years ago, you just got a little bag and there was some crap in it. You're like, yeah, mm-hmm. smoke that, right? You're but, right. But now <laughs> you know you know I mean it's like well thought out. And it's like oh you can't smoke it because your lungs are jacked up. Well here's some you know here's some uh, chocolate or here's a candy bar or you know here's some Reese's pieces. Have have a you know. Have a cinnamon right, roll. Edibles. 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 edibles right. Creams. You know, vaping. I mean, there's so many different ways mm-hmm. that, that you can consume it. But what was interesting is the fact that there's like a menu and all the different strains were listed and the different effects that they had versus the way it is today where if you don't have a card, you know, you get it from some shady dude and it comes in a little baggie and it's like, yeah, you can trust me. I sell drugs. Yep. You know, so, I, you know, I, I really it perplexes me why anybody would want to not make it legal. That's right. No, that's, a, that's those are all great points. Those are all great points. Now, let me let me ask you guys a question. Moving on from the human aspect of things. Would, do you think ETs have an interest in cannabis? Wow. Interesting. That's heavy. That that is heavy. I got to think about I that. I think one. they would be. I think they would. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, especially if they can't grow it in on their planet or within their dimension. I'm sure they're, you know, very curious about that and why it affects humans the way it does. Sure. Well, you know, for me, right, I studied anthropology. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the way that I've always thought about it is that if there are aliens here, I, I've always bought in the Heineck thing, Valley thing, where it's like 10 percent are, yeah. are aliens. Or yeah. ultra terrestrials, maybe, which interdimensional travelers. Right. When when I see like legit abductions and things where people are, we're not talking like you know, mill lab or anything like that, where it's government mind control kind of stuff. Right. When I've seen that take place, it seemed more like watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom mm. with Marlon Perkins. You know, he's up in the helicopters like, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot that. You know, shoot that bison with a tranquilizer, and I'm going to tag it so I can follow it around. And every mm-hmm. six months, I'm going to shoot that bison with a tranquilizer and take some blood and, you know, see what it's been eating and, you know, examine its poop and whatever. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of think of it in those terms. So, if they're carrying out some sort of a psych, some sort of a, an experiment <clears throat> like tracking mm-hmm. people, I can, right. I can see why they'd be very interested in its effects as a. As some sort of a, a material that the person is ingesting, what kind of mm-hmm. effects it would have on the body, what kind of effects it would have on their emotional state psychologically, because supposedly these these implants that these people get, 
you know, there, I mean, there, there must be relaying vast amounts of telemetry. <laughs> so I, I would mm. imagine they're, they're fascinated by it. Now, let me ask you one, one last possibility. There's obviously very few, if any, plants like marijuana on this planet. Do you think it's possible cannabis was mm. given to us by extraterrestrials or maybe designed or somehow evolved by extraterrestrials to like some other miraculous level of plant being? Hmm. Does that make sense? It like does. They, it does. they developed the plant for us. Right. Right. Or they brought it along as something that they used. Correct. Hmm. Well, the the one weird thing about about cannabis as a as a plant, right, is that it, it, it does so much. I mean you can you know, you can smoke it or ingest let's just say you can ingest it, right? Because you can right. get it in all kinds of different ways. But if you ingest it, you can ingest it for fun. You mm-hmm. can ingest it as an as a way to deal with maladies. Like you know, I know a guy yeah. who does. He has a card. You know, mm-hmm. he uses it for insomnia, and it actually cures his insomnia. So you know, it, it does appear to have some homeopathic, um, kind of. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Healing qualities. Healing qualities. There you go. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can you can mash it up and use it for paper. You can light it on fire. There's types of it that you can light on fire where you won't get high, but it burns pretty well. You can Mm -hmm. make it into clothes. I mean, you can it's it's odd because you can use it for almost anything. I mean, it's a technology. It's some it's some sort of technology. It seems to be right. Well, you know, years ago when I got high, hey, I got high one time actually. Really wrong. Smoking marijuana. <laughs> yeah, believe it. And it was like I was like like looking at the the leaf with a um, magnifying glass, and I'm going, "Wow, man! I wonder if this comes from another." I was thinking the same thing. I wonder if this comes from another planet because the structure is so uniform. I mean, it just, you know, the design and the pattern. And of course I was tripping, but still it was just like, man, I was just sort of like very introspective and very curious. Where'd this thing come from, man? It's making me feel really weird, but really good at the same time. That mm. kind of just really, tri- that, that really just tripped me out right there. That was- <laughs> <laughs> I had, I, man, I had a magnifying glass and then I was like, I was starting to like look at a bud, but it was just too overwhelming for me. I was like about to cry because it's like, man, this is just too heavy for me. I can't do it anymore. Wow, <laughs> I was wrong. getting emotional about it, but you know, it's uh, no, Olaf, I know where you're coming from because it's so, has so many different uh, qualities, whether it be healing or yeah. uh, different things that you can do with it in terms of making uh, rope or clothes or, I mean, what other plant has those type of uh, uh, abilities or capabilities to do so many wonderful things well, to, not, to heal not, the planet, too? You yeah, know what that's I'm not on Earth that I know of. Yeah. So me neither. You got me. Yep. Well, I, I think you need to really um, smoke more pot or ingest it somehow, and uh, maybe we could do that simultaneously. 
and then like get, do a show together uh and we'll see how it works yeah i think absolutely. now i have a good friend named greg carlwood from the higher side chats you know i got to plug him a little bit because absolutely. he has a, absolutely. a good show he has great a great show. show great show and uh he's down in san diego but this was the deal joe before getting onto the show we had to light up right okay i mean that was just part of the deal Hence the name Higher Side Chats. <laughs> and uh, it was just so funny because um, I don't know what I was smoking, but it, I was just so mellow and my voice was like this. And so we had a guest on. She was a, a mind control survivor. And, uh, you know, I was just so calm about it. And I'm just saying, oh, wow, that seems like a pretty heavy thing she went through. Um, uh, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more and I think our audience are they're really wanting to know more about the trauma you went through can you describe the tra- you know it was like I was just so super baked <laughs> I know Greg <laughs> Carlwood it's like he's, he's pretty much the same way all the time you know he's you know a podcast owner and you know he does he does a great job and so it hardly phases him at all. But you know, I, I went to go listen to the podcast and I go, I don't think I'm gonna do that anymore just because I was just so, you know, chill and on it I was too chill for the subject matter because it's something that's very serious. Yeah. But, I mean it well and people are going you know, going, Oh wow, that was really nice, Ron. You know, you were really calm and cool and <laughs> I didn't feel good after listening to it. I'm going, that's not who I really am. Well, you know, but. there's a there's a comic by the name of Doug Benson, and his his whole thing is is uh, getting getting high, and he talks about all kinds of different stuff. <laughs> and he actually made a documentary uh, called Super High Me. Have you guys seen this? Mm-hmm. No, yes. I have. I have not. Joe, you've seen it. Yes, I have. It's a good one. It's a great one, and it actually turns out that when Doug Benson doesn't smoke weed. That he actually mm-hmm. gets dumber. Wow. And more emo. That yep. his at the end of the documentary, his doctor actually told him to smoke more. <laughs> smoke more pot. But I mean it, it probably depends on what type too, right? You have the uh, indica and then you have the hybrid and you have the what is it, the sativa or whatever? Totally. No, it totally depends on the types. That's uh-huh. extremely important. Right. And so, like, if you want to have more of a cerebral high, you know, uh-huh. kind of something that enhances your cognitive abilities, then you'd have more like a sativa or. Correct. A sativa uh, or a hybrid. Uh huh. So, gotcha. mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah, it's hard for me to just smoke a straight sativa. Um, but if it's a hybrid, it's OK. It's just I get a little too amped with the sativa. Yeah. No, sativas make you paranoid, very paranoid. Yeah. And in, in, in not in a fun way. Yeah, not like with the paranoid podcast kind of no. fun way. Yeah, no, we're, gotcha. we're fun. Okay. We're fun. No, this is fun. Yeah. Uh, not, <laughs> not when you're convinced that there's a SWAT team outside your house waiting to kick down the door. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Man, they were just oh, here. Bad. I just saw them. The black, yeah. black helicopter's flying over your house. Caught with your hands in the air. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, and then the indica, actually, that's what I prefer. Um, 
because I just like that mellow, chill type of feeling. And sometimes yes. I really don't want to have to think, you know, I just, you know, want the brain to kind of shut off for a little bit. But uh, so usually that's best for me. Yeah. Indicas and hybrids seem to be the most popular. Mm -hmm. So are those the three major types? Those are the three only types. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know much about it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Yep. Hey, then, and Joe, as far as like, um, like THC and the, what, CBD? Correct. uh, And, you know, they've been doing a lot of uh, cancer research. Uh, with marijuana recently. And so can you tell us the sort of the, the breakdown of how THC and CBD work, whether they work best um, together or you can extract them and then they have, you know, various types of uh, medicinal qualities. What, what does each one do? Yeah, absolutely. Human uh, physiology. So THC is the active compound in marijuana that gets you the classic feeling of of smoking marijuana or using marijuana. Mm-hmm. THC is the compound that gives you the classic marijuana feel. Got THC it. is what gets you high essentially, okay? Now, CBD, that's the other compound that's found in cannabis that's a, that can be extracted. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make it more potent, or you can just find it naturally in the plant, but at much smaller doses. CBD gotcha. is what uh, is supposedly cures or fights cancer very well. Um, there's been a lot of research with that. Um, mm-hmm. CBD is what's known for fighting cancer. Right. Doesn't it also like um, help alleviate pain and inflammation? Correct. It alleviates pain, inflammation, mm-hmm. anxiety. Uh, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, THC, that might make you a little more relaxed. Uh, it helps a lot with pain, anxiety, uh, insomnia, the CBD, it has more medicinal qualities, but, um, it doesn't get you the classic marijuana high. There's no high. Right. To it. Gotcha. So they, they work well synergistically, right? Together. And it, it kind of has a lot more of an impact. On uh, human physiology. And now like for pets, for instance, um, is it pretty much the same way if you had like a, a dog that was in a lot of pain or a cat or what have you? Interestingly enough, dogs are one of the only animals that have cannabinoid receptors in their brains. Uh, oh. From what I've read, I'm not sure about cats. I think I've heard the same thing about cats, too. But mm-hmm. uh, yes, you can. I'm not recommending it right now, but there is therapeutic uses for cannabis for sick for sick pets. Yes. Right. But I recommend that you do a lot of research and you figure out dosages for your animals. Gotcha. Okay. So that that's a question I had about it. So, you know, one of the things that when I've heard people argue against legalizing marijuana is that they say that there's no there's no good way to dose it that, you know, you're, you're just, you've got this plant. Sure. You can have strains that do different things because their concentrations of CBD or Mm -hmm. THC are different. So the, the effect of it to you is different, but how, so like, you know, like I pointed out, you have a dispenser. I mean, so how do you, how do you actually judge 
the dosages and how do you, I mean, obviously you're not a medical professional, but you know, from, from a dispensary point of view, you sell it in different concentrations. So, I mean, how do you actually figure out what those concentrations are? Um, well, all of my stuff is packaged and labeled. So basically that's up to the producers, the, the, uh, the, Mm -hmm. the people that make the stuff, the manufacturers and the labs. This is all, all of this stuff is lab tested. So, yeah. So there, it's like an exact, there's an exact science to most of the stuff now. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, um, uh, a couple of years ago, I went on this uh, movie premiere bus tour uh, f- for a movie called Don Peyote and Dan Fogler, who's a happens to be a celebrity stoner, uh, directed it. He wrote the movie. And so we myself, uh, Freeman, who's a conspiracy guy, uh, Greg Carlwood, Higher Side Chats. And a couple of other people got to go on this bus tour. And, uh, yeah, we had a great time, you know, going from city to city. Um, and we'd have dispensaries kind of come on board and, you know, give us, you know, edibles and vapes and oils and all that stuff. But the, the last place we ended up uh, was in Irvine, California, where they have weedmaps.com. Yep. And, uh it was interesting because they even had like this, like little laboratory inside there. And they were kind of talking about how they create these different type of hybrids and how they can extract this amount of THC and all this. And it was just like, Whoa, this is what it's come down to now just to see the science, right. Of, of cannabis in fully fledged, you know, coming into fruition and, uh, I mean, I was just, you know, you, you have these people in these lab coats and then microscopes and everything. It's just like, whoa, pretty trippy, but, uh, it, is. it was great. It was really good to see how well organized it is, you know, as opposed to, you know, like the hippies from the sixties, just trying to like figure out, okay, well, we put this together and see what happened. Yeah. Know. I mean, that's, that's the big thing to me, right? Is that it. It seems to have come quite a ways from the days of getting in an, a little paper bag with just some some shit in there. And it's like, hey, you can smoke that. You can trust me. I sell drugs. I'm trustworthy. But now, you know, it, what you're saying is that there's a lot of science in it. Labs are analyzing it to see how much what the THC concentrations are. You know, all your stuff is packaged, tested. You know, it seems to be more of a fully formed industry than simply, oh, well, I get a bag of stuff, go smoke it. Correct. I think that's something that a lot of people miss, you know, that, that they think of. I think a lot of people are still thinking that it's it's mm-hmm. back in the yesteryear when you just got a bag of stuff and it's like, yeah, that's all great. Have a good time with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the guy vanishes right. into the darkness, goes back to his CIA safe house, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, but basically um, for the edibles, I'm always warning people eat a quarter, no more than half uh, before you eat. Never eat the whole thing at once. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'll have that delayed reaction, right? It's like, oh, I'm not feeling anything right now. I'm going to have more. And then before you know, it's like, whoa, what the, you know. Yep. You have an alien abduction experience. No, that's when they put electrodes <laughs> yeah, yeah. in your brain. 
And then out come the alien anal probes. That's right. That's next. That's next. Yeah. Actually, we have a we have a fan. Uh, I sometimes go down to the quick stop, and we have a fan down there, and he actually he seriously wanted us to cover that. So at some point, you know, we take requests. At some yeah. point, for for him down at the uh, down at the quick stop, I know he's listening. We will mm-hmm. cover we will cover <laughs> probes of all kinds for you. <laughs> right, but it, I mean, we have to do it within context of the whole alien oh, yeah. abduction scenario because Absolutely. you know. Absolutely. Then you're going to get caught up into all kinds of kinky crap. So we yeah, got to be we, we don't do that. that. We don't do kinky on this show. There are plenty no, of other no, shows not. for that. We're too we're yeah. legi- we're legit here at the uh, Paranoia Podcast. <laughs> try to be anyway. <laughs> we try really hard. It doesn't work though. No, but it, yeah. you know it, it's interesting because, like, again, you know, coming back to that that notion of that there is some sort of a vast conspiracy that is fighting. You know, guys mm-hmm. like you, Joe, to even have a dispensary, to even have it legalized in any capacity, you know, that I mean, the, the raids, you know, it's like some of these cities, I've read about them in various parts of California, that one day they just raid everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's, it's odd because it's like, well, you know, you guys know these places are everywhere. I mean, you can find them. I mean, you just go on weed maps, I guess, and they're, you know, you can find them. <laughs> It's not right. hard. I mean, nobody's hiding, you know, and and they, mm-hmm. they break down the doors. You know, they they storm the place. They put people in jail, and it's like, but we, our state legalized it for medicinal use. As long as you're legit, as long as you got the card, you went to the doctor, you got the card, you know, the dispensary's doing the paperwork. You're all everybody's on the up and up. Why mm-hmm. are you rating things? I mean, what is it? What are you really achieving? All you're achieving is you're shutting down. What in the state of California is is considered a legitimate um, legal operation to push it back into being on the black market? That to me tells me that there's some sort of a conspiracy. Oh, it's it's terrifying. It's terrifying, and yeah, it is a conspiracy. Uh, it scares me so much. I just there's so little to say about it. It's just, it's terrifying that it still goes on, and it, it's it's actually uh, I don't think you you mentioned this, but there's been more raids under Obama's presidency than uh, under Bush for for whatever reason. Well, interesting, yeah, and I don't know if you guys covered the whole Schedule One thing with marijuana. Um, no, we didn't. Maybe you can you can elaborate on that. Why they still? Why the DEA? Uh, still pushes uh, DEA and the Federal Drug Administration still have that as a Schedule One drug, same as uh, heroin and oh, other yeah. hardcore drugs. It's it's a joke, is what it is. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I, I have a little bit of knowledge of that because I used to be a farm tech, and I remember mm-hmm. we had a we had a person who was uh, had cancer. And mm-hmm. had, you know, stage four cancer, like, you're done kind of cancer. And this person... Right. terminal. Yeah, completely terminal. And this person yeah. uh, got a prescription for tinks, tincture of opium. It's opium mm-hmm. titrate. And this stuff oh is... Oh, It's basically heroin. And yeah. it's, it's... Probably a, stronger. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a... And it's a, a fluid. I mean, it's a liquid. Mm-hmm. And the... And that was a Schedule 2. That was a Schedule 2 narc that... 
you fill out a triplicate, you can only get 30 days worth, yada, yada. And so, you know, we got the stuff in. Uh, there's a, a distribution company that every pharmacy uses. Um, mm-hmm. And you order this stuff. You, we got it in. It came in in a locked box. We unlocked the box. Pharmacist right. signed off on it. <clears throat> we took it directly over to the the, the safe The because mm-hmm. I worked in a drugstore. So, you know, we had normal... We, it was a chain. So, I mean, we had soda, and you could buy vodka, and you could buy, you know, some chips or whatever. Well, we took it directly over to the safe and locked it in the safe, called the person up and said, okay, you got 24 hours to come and get it. Otherwise, it's out of here. And that, you mm-hmm. know, and that's, that's something that's completely legal, completely 100% mm-hmm. legal. This person did not pick it up. Next day, bing, out it goes. When the guys came to make our delivery, we gave it right back, mm-hmm. right? And that's, yeah. that's a Schedule II narcotic. The other thing that's a Schedule II narcotic is Ritalin. And Ritalin is basically methamphetamines. That's right. A, it's speed. But that's Schedule two. That's Schedule two. Right? Wow. And they give it to children. Right. And it yes. works. I will tell you that, that I have seen it work because yeah. their brain chemistry is such that, that it is effective. But right. what's odd is that, and, and, you know, they give it to their friends and, you know, their friends are high as a kite. But that, you know, speed is a Schedule two narcotic. If you're a terminal cancer patient, you can get, you know, basically heroin, you know, opium titrate. You can get that stuff as a right. Schedule two narcotic. It's totally legit. All you have to do is print the guy's name or print the person's name, sign it. It's a triplicate. One goes to the – you keep one – one goes to the to the DEA. Uh, one goes with the patient, I think, and and mm-hmm. everybody's happy. I mean, you you know you you have people who are on lethal dosages of, of things like Vicodin. You know, they take Vicodin like M and M's, right? And it's like that's a Schedule Three narc. You don't even have to fill out a triplicate for that. Get out of here! That is really Schedule Three. Vi- Vicodin is. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you need a doctor's prescription, but I mean, Vicodin can be extremely addictive, you know, Percocet. I mean, all these drugs, you know, painkillers that we take, you know, like uh, they're they're opiates. I mean, that's what kill kill Prince, right? There's a thing where if you take opiates, then it makes your body shut, basically stop breathing. You forget how. Well, to what happens is you have you have toxic overload if you're taking a number of different types of prescriptions. No, no, no. no. So this you is, know a lot of these. People- no, this is specific to to opiates. That there's a condition gotcha. where uh-huh. you basically just stop breathing, and they can. Yeah. And in in hospitals, because they dispense the opiates because it's a great painkiller. They actually right. have an injector. It's like an auto injector that they right. can inject the person with, and it just makes the opiates just vanish and they just wake right. up you know and, and that's Got why it. after prince you know they were saying that all the all the emts and the cops should carry this stuff you know mm-hmm. because if they're having like an overdose an opiate overdose narcane yeah narcane that's it mm-hmm. so that's that's like a schedule three narcotic i mean you don't even need a triplicate for that stuff but here here's you know marijuana that you know i mean it's much less powerful than that and it's a schedule one it's it's like cocaine. It's right. Know, it's on the same it's on the same level as cocaine, you know, crack cocaine and all these <laughs> other really really mm-hmm. heroin. These really really bad things, you know. But right. here, here's weed. It's in the same classification, and that just boggles my mind. Right. Well, and you have people that uh, have uh, 
you know, some psychological issues. They might have gone through a lot of trauma, have PTSD. And it's it's a miracle, you know, to be able to have marijuana. And uh, yet it's so difficult for them, uh, especially like for vets, for instance. Uh, I know the uh, the VA, you know, obviously looks really down on that. And they say, well, you know, they do the random drug tests and they find out that they have marijuana. They can cut off these guys, you know. And so yeah, it's just, and, and how how awesome crazy. Is, how awesome is that? We're like, hey, you, we're gonna lie to you and tell you we'll give you some college. Go fight in a desert somewhere, you know, protecting right. the CIA's opium fields. Go exactly. To, go, I mean, the irony, yeah, right? The irony of it. But yeah. if we yeah. get a little weed in your system, that's it. No more, you know, no more painkillers yeah, yeah. for you. No more yeah. anti-anxiety drugs. But that alone tells me that something's wrong. That oh, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I could at least understand, as as somebody who doesn't use it, I, I could at least understand, and I, I have used it, I have used it, I'm not saying I do, I've never used it, but I don't do it on a regular basis, but, but, you know, as somebody who's kind of exterior to this, looking at that, you know, I really have to wonder, it's like, if you can make speed a class two narcotic, why can't you make it, you know, marijuana or cannabis, I guess is the popular way to say it. Why can't you make ca- cannabis at least a Schedule Two narcotic? There's plenty of science that says mm-hmm. it works. There are plenty of people out there that it has cured their PTSD. That's right. Yeah. So why wouldn't you at least make it a Schedule Two? It's no worse than than Ritalin. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. You know why? Because I think it's because marijuana is not addictive, and all the other stuff they want you to take is addictive. Right. Yeah, I'd agree. I concur. That's there's and it's also not it's also not controlled by a pharmaceutical company. I mean, if you want Ritalin, Ritalin is is a brand name. Mm -hmm. They they own the patent on it. You know, they they have to wait. What is it's like 40 years or something before they can force you. They can be forced to make a a generic version of it. So they reap huge profits. I mean, look at the EpiPen. The EpiPen just Mm -hmm. saves people's lives. It's it's not a drug. It's not addictive. It just, you know, saves people's lives. But they had a they had a stranglehold on it. So, you know, they woke up one day and said, Oh, if we don't you know, if we sell the if we take it from a hundred dollars a pen to five hundred dollars a pen, they still need it. We're gonna make huge profits. And it's like you can't do anything about it, but Weed, on the other hand, cannabis, on the other hand, you know, is something that isn't as controllable. So that that's why I think at least part of this has to be big pharma because they can't control it. You know, that's yeah, that's right. That's my soapbox. (laughs) I just don't get it. I mean, I, you know, it's less addictive than alcohol. You know, I like how many how many people get into fights after they smoke a bunch of pot. Right. Right. So how many wars have started because, you know, you had a bunch of politicians or soldiers smoking pot. Eh. (laughs) It's not many. No, (laughs) not many. But but I mean, here's another thing, though, I also want to bring up because, you know, there's people in law enforcement that. Uh, say that, well, you know, people who smoke pot are a liability on the road. I mean, what do you have to say about that, Joe? Uh, there's really no evidence to support that from what I've right. researched. But 
I think it would be irresponsible for me to say that that it's not true. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of neutral in that. Right. Well, I mean, I think if, if a person, you know, smoked way too much, uh, then it might, you know, sort of curtail their uh, reaction time or cognitive function to some extent. So, But you see, that's something that you can take care of really easily. Look, right. I can go down to the bar and I can get totally shit face wasted. Right. right. And it's totally legal. And you know what? I should call Uber or Lyft and get a ride home or cab, get a ride home, right? So yeah. Some people are, are are not smart about it, and they decide to try to drive, and they have yeah, an they're accident. too proud. Yeah, what, whatever. And yeah, all. By the way, mm-hmm. to our listeners, look if you've been drinking, using pot, whatever, you should always get a ride home. But you know, it's really simple. You just in the legalization law, you simply say, hey, if you if you are using this stuff, you are classified as under the influence. You should not operate heavy machinery. You should not drive a car. You should not do something that that somebody's life is in the balance. It's just the same as alcohol. It's not enough to to make it illegal. You know, I just I don't understand. I don't see the I don't see the the causality there. You know. Yeah. Um, the only thing is, is though, there's no way to test for if people are high on cannabis right now. So there's no test at all. The only test is, is like you could run a blood <clears throat> test, but cannabis stays in your system for 30 days. So you can't tell. Uh-huh. There's like really no way to tell if somebody's high on it at the moment or not. A hundred percent sure using science. Well, I guess you just have to do a field sobriety test, just like they do for alcohol. Of course. Yeah. If you're smoking cannabis, you probably just want to sit down. But yeah, pretty much. <laughs> anyway, but you know, I I think I think that that there's enough evidence that there's some sort of conspiracy about it. You know, I, I just I think it's overwhelming. There's no question about it. The government's fighting it tooth and nail right now. So so in the in the dispensary world, I mean, what's the buzz about November? Oh, it's going to pass, but everybody's dead set against it because they think the law is written for big business. Really? Yeah, everybody's against uh, everybody's against voting yes on it, but it's everybody knows it's going to pass. So I don't know if you're read up on it, but how how is it geared toward big business? Is it going to put guys like you out of business or? No, it just uh, – the laws are a little more strict. Like you can only carry a certain amount now um, of like oils and stuff, the wax. Um, there's just a, a few changes in the law that people aren't really comfortable with. Like the amount of weed you can carry, it's different and I don't know. So, so you mentioned wax. So what is this wax? Wax is a uh, concentrated form of marijuana. It's like a um, how, how would I describe it? It's they extract the oil from the cannabis leaf, and it's like highly potent. It's anywhere from seventy to ninety percent pure. Wow. So usually, how, so how do you? I mean, how do you use it? So usually you you would take a you'd have to have like a piece of glass like a, a similar to a bong, uh-huh. 
you have to have a special device. And basically what you do is is you, you have a torch and you superheat a piece of glass or Mm -hmm. a piece of titanium till it's red hot. And then you take another piece of titanium or like a, a tool for, 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 for picking up the oil. Uh, you put the oil on the tool and then you put the oil in the superheated area that you just used the torch on, either the glass or the titanium, whatever you're using for your for your bong, for your little special bong that you have for the oils. Uh-huh. You put the oil on the superheated piece and you vaporize the oil on either a piece of glass or a piece of titanium. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It must. I mean, it must be very potent. It is. Wow. Oh, my God. It is. <laughs> Olaf, you should try it, buddy. Olaf, you need to try it this week. But not while you're working, of course. Nice. I, I would recommend in the evening. So, uh, and okay, well, let's give us. If you're going to be at Hapcon, they're going to be giving out free dabs the whole time there. So, yes. It's, a little dab will do you, buddy. That's right. <laughs> All right. So, I, I want to go. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going. Okay. I don't know about you, but I'm going to go. Yeah, Paranoia's going to have a presence. We're going to figure it out. Yes. <laughs> please, please do, and please take your first dab there, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, okay, so so you can get it in edibles in a, yes. a whole variety of forms. Uh, you can get it in its natural state. You can get it as in a vape, like a vape pen. Yep. You can get waxes of it. I mean, how else can you get it? Liquids, tea, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, powder, but that that could be more of a liquid again. But no, that is a different form. Powder. Um, let me see. I think that's about it. Right. Hey, Joe, I wanted to ask you something. Um, years ago... Um, I had some brownies, right? Okay. And this, this person put hash oil in it and, uh, I ate, I guess quite a few brownies. Um, and like all of a sudden it just hit me. Yeah. But, but the weird thing is I was having like, uh, almost like out of body experience yeah. and yep. I was like hallucinating Yeah. and it was almost like, uh, I was LSD. Yeah. So what the hell was going on? I, I didn't realize you could, you know, have oh, hash yeah. oil. And- oh, yeah. You can have really intense experiences, man, on edibles. Like I am yeah. telling you, I have I have had some really intense spiritual experiences. Some of them not too comfortable. Some of them were yeah. just really intense. But right. Usually they're not too fun. So, like I said, you got to be careful when you eat edibles. Right. Because it's like, I swear, I swear it unlocks something in your brain that Uh smoking doesn't do. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, actually, it affected me for um, a full day. I mean, I was still tripping. I actually didn't go to work the next day because I was just too out of it. And it was sort of like. You know, I'd go to bed and I'd like look at the uh, ceiling and it was like spinning and I saw stars and, uh, you know, 
And then I thought I was going into some vortex because it was spinning so much. So you were yeah. basically like seeing the spirit world. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, but uh, I've never had that experience before. But then again, it was just sort of like somebody said, oh, those are pot brownies. And I go, oh, cool. That's, you know, and I had a little bit and I, I didn't feel anything. And, oh, I'm going to have some more. You know, I was hungry. And but, man, all of a sudden, I, maybe like uh, 45 minutes up to an hour later, it was just extremely intense. Extremely intense. Right. Yeah, I think I'll answer for Ron. I think <laughs> Ron's internet connection is not always the best. So. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> he he cracks up sometimes and he he vanishes on me. And I'll be doing the podcast and Ron will just be gone. I'll be like, okay, well I'm doing it by myself. <laughs> no, but they they can they can be extremely intense. The the edible experience. Have you ever had an edible before, Olaf? I have. Have you had an extreme experience? I did not, but you know we we were very conservative, and and we you know we did what what you this was a long time ago, but we we did what you suggested, which is we cut it into quarters and yep. we ate a quarter of it. Okay, well, what happens? And we kind of inched along. You know, I have a I have a magazine called Paranoia, so obviously I was a bit paranoid. Smart man. <laughs> Smart but, man. You, you know, that's that's one of the things that's that's interesting about this is that you know you I when I went into that shop, you know, it was like the the people on the other side of the counter. It, it was more than just I want to sell you some weed. It was you know it was like okay, what what experience do you want to have? You know, what do you expect out of this? And then. Based on that, mm-hmm. okay, this is what I suggest you get, and they kind of guide right. you through the process. So, in that, I thought that store was very well run, and it was it was kind of like, look, we understand this is a bit complicated. We're going to try to you know help you figure out what you want because you're going to get something. We already know that, but let's make sure you get the right thing. And that that's something that's absent in going to a pharmacy and going, okay, well I'm in pain, I want some Vicodin. It's like, okay, here's your Vicodin, leave. You know, the, the, the interaction at least that I had was, was much more positive. It was like, okay, what do you, you know, I'm like, well, I don't really need anything. I'm just curious. But it was even that, that they were happy with the curiosity. Right. Yep. Information is a powerful thing. The right information anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you got it. I was going to ask you a random question more about UFO stuff. Sure. Tell me about the Tracy. Wait a second. One second. Tell me about the Tracy UFO crash. I don't know anything about the UFO that crashed in Tracy, and I see you wrote a great article about it, but I haven't had a chance to read it in depth. So, uh, you know, Ron Ron works on Ground Zero. Uh, he's the producer of Ground Zero. We're big fans of Clyde Clyde Lewis. I used to be the the uh, producer of Ground Zero, uh-huh. and back when I was in college, I was the lead investigator for Ground Zero. And one night, <clears throat> I was I was going to college at the time, and and one night I get this frantic phone call from Clyde. Uh, I think it was like eleven o'clock at night. He called me from Salt Lake City. 
he was in Salt Lake at the time. He says, there's been a crash in Tracy. You got to get out there. I'm like, well, I'm in Davis. Davis to Tracy is not that close. So the Mm -hmm. chances of me skipping school (laughs) and driving down there is slim to none. But I started doing some research. And and basically what had happened was, and, and I went on the radio and we talked about it. What we knew at first was that there was a sighting of an object that had come in from the west over the ocean. It had come over the Bay Area, south of San Francisco. It had kind of made a series of turns, and then it went out over over Livermore, and then broke apart, and exploded, and then crashed in Tracy. Mm-hmm. And right. you know, we were trying to find witnesses, and we found a few witnesses, and they came on the radio and talked about what they had done. And then it was like, okay, well, you know, we reported it. Mm-hmm. So the next day, Clyde gets a, a fax. Um, this is back in the old days when faxes were in vogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clyde gets this bizarre fax with no return number, basically outlining what had happened. And according to the fax, uh, a UFO had been had tripped the defense network in orbit, which mm-hmm. I can go into some other time. But there, there's a, a defense network up there. It tripped the defense network. Mm-hmm. It had come down over the Pacific and was coming mm. toward this direction. And right. um, they had they mm. launched two F-18s. This is all according to the, the facts. They had launched two or two fighters from Alameda. This is before Alameda was shut down. Thank you, Barbara Boxer. Mm-hmm. Diane Feinstein, my two favorite people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> They're not Democrats. Anyway, so so they had launched these two F-18s that went out over the Pacific and were chasing this thing and fired uh, what's called a KKV at it and apparently damaged it. And then mm-hmm. uh, it crashed in Tracy. Then we find out later that people reported it seeing a beam emanate from Lawrence Livermore that hit the thing when it really blew up. And what's odd, well, when I first read the facts, I was like, no, this is bullshit. This is bullshit because, you know, they're talking about this defense satellite. It had some sort of an organic uh, optical system and all this craziness. And I'm like, that's all great. Good science fiction. Mm -hmm. But the one place where I got you is that this they're sending these F-18s out over the ocean. Well, F-18s don't carry KKVs, kinetic kill vehicles. Because a, a kinetic kill vehicle is basically an anti-satellite weapon. You fire it up and it blows up satellites. F-18s don't do that. They would call the Air Force, right? And, and at the time, we didn't have – Hamilton had shut down a long time ago. So we didn't really have – that's a whole nother episode. But we didn't really have any right, kind right. of tactical fighter command bases here. You know, Beale, we've got SR-71s. And as we discovered, they're still flying U-2s out of Beale because one just crashed. But, um, you know, then we had Mather, which was a SAC base. McClellan was an air material command. They fixed F-111s. Travis was an air tra- – um, they fly C-5As. It was like Air Transport Command. Or um, I forget the name of it now. But it was it was transports, right? So we didn't really have anything here that was Air Force that, that they that would have an F-16 that they could put these anti-satellite missiles on. So I'm like, forget it, Clyde. It's bullshit. 
He's mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. There's something to this. Go deeper, dig deeper, dig deeper. So I go out. <laughs> I've got my Jane's books and I've got my, you know, Aaron's space books. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm looking through it, looking through it. Finally, I found a reference to a anti-satellite missile that was carried on F-18s that was stocked in most F-18 bases. So it turned out that these F-18s could have carried a kinetic kill vehicle, an anti-satellite missile. So then it started, okay, well, if I can make the leap that there's some sort of a bizarre satellite up there with some sort of homegrown organic optic system, AI shit, and, you know, the the F-18s uh-huh. can exist. Maybe the laser beam from Livermore, they run high-energy high physics out at Livermore. They, Livermore, they design nuclear bombs and design lasers. And so, you know, uh-huh. that all seemed to fit together. But I couldn't get over the crash. I'm like, if something crashed, there had to be something to it, right? You would have to remove it. All right. Well, it turns out that right after the crash supposedly occurred is when the tire fire started in Tracy. Basically, this guy had a huge uh, dump of tires and supposedly was illegally burning tires, which is really bad for the environment. But he oh, yeah. he had, he was illegally burning tires, and the fire got out of control. And there there are conflicting stories of whether they found him dead on his bulldozer, or dead somewhere else, or he's still alive. It's kind of unclear. The last I heard, he was they found him dead on the bulldozer. But they have this mm-hmm. huge tire fire about a half a mile from where it supposedly crashed. And then I discover that where it supposedly crashed is part of a place out by Tracy. That's actually an adjunct area to uh, Livermore, Lawrence Livermore National mm-hmm. Labs. And they have these insane uh, fences out there that's like a chain lake fence, like, I don't know, 50 feet high with concertina wire. You can actually see it from five. Like, if you go out to Tracy, you can see it. Right. Just take 580 out to Tracy before it merges onto five. You'll see this one place in these massive, massive, like, chain lake fences. Well, supposedly it had huh. crashed in there. And we started to, and Clyde goes on the air again, he's discussing this. We started to get these people from Tracy that were calling in saying, oh, mm-hmm. you know, I saw a semi come out of there with tarp, multiple semis with tarps. And wow. the, the thing is, is that because of the location where it crashed, right, the only people that could respond to a fire in that facility was the fire department at Lawrence Livermore and the fire department at Lawrence Berkeley. Because those right. firefighters have a security clearance. Yep, that's true. That right. is true. <laughs> Absolutely. And both Livermore and Lawrence Berkeley have um, they have special, uh, I don't know the best way to put it. They're kind of like commandos. There was a really bad thing that happened a while back where two of these guys went to SFO to pick somebody up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I guess they forgot that they were still carrying their guns. And so yeah. nobody knew who these guys were, so they like got swamped by the SWAT team. Well, anyway, they've got basically commandos, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if they're part of NERD or not, but they've got commandos out there. And so apparently these guys were on site. Huh. So you've got these secure firefighters fighting it. They're not going for any mutual assistance. They're fighting it themselves, right? Mm-hmm. You see semis go in with bulldozers. Mm-hmm. You see semis come out with junk on covered by tarps. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a tire fire a quarter of a mile away, which is not very far, quarter of a mile away, burning uncontrollably, and it burned for the next five years. 
and it turned Jeez. it into a super fun site that nobody can go anywhere near because it's so toxic that they won't let yeah, anybody yeah. near it. <laughs> That's the Tracy UFO crash. Uh, uh. So the area is still toxic, you said? Yep, it's still toxic. Jesus. Well, the guy, So was that, that, was that a smoke screen? Yes. Pardon the pun? Yeah. Okay. I think it was a smoke screen because it was too close. I mean, it was like a quarter or half a mile away. Mm-hmm. And that that just and and plus, you know, you see semis go in with a bunch of bulldozers, right? Yeah. Then those semis come out with stuff All with tarps tarped out. Yeah. Then you see yeah. them go back in empty to go get the bulldozers. There's something uh, wrong, right? Yep. I'm not a rocket scientist. However, <laughs> <laughs> no. one can surmise, based on previous history, that, that something did indeed crash there. Now, yeah. I, I can't tell you if it was a UFO, it was an experimental aircraft, or what, but something apparently did crash there. From outer mm-hmm. space? According to the facts, it came in from outer space. Okay. I say it was a UFO, based upon what facts I know. Okay. <laughs> and and Clyde, you know, he'll still go on the air every once in a while and talk about it. Yes, he will. Yeah. yeah. But I, I was yeah. on UFO I, Hunters for that one. I was actually on an episode yes. of UFO Hunters. Uh-oh. UFO surveillance. Um, so YouTube it. Have you ever had an experience with the men in black or like government dudes or anything like that? I have not. I have. Well, yeah. I, t- I take no, that neither back. Neither have I. I mean, I've gotten, I've gotten emails from people who said they were the Men in Black. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, they tend to show up. <laughs> they, they don't, they don't send emails. No, I, I've, I've had the black helicopters. I have know, had the black when I was helicopters. Doing, I have had black mind, helicopters. A lot of mind control research back in the day, like in the mid late nineties. Yeah. Well, I mean, not only were they black helicopters at night. But they would actually be shining a light right on the house I lived in Olympia, Washington. And so I figured, well, if they're shining a light directly on my house and hovering, then uh, something's going on. And, uh, yeah, there, there were a few things that I was involved in at the time in harboring a person who was a uh, uh, alleged MK MKUltra uh, survivor, mind control survivor. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why you know, I was being targeted that way. Well, you know, how many how many times did that helicopter fly over your house? Well, it, it would do it periodically for a, a few months, actually. Um, a lot of people would say, oh, that's just a flight path. But why would the helicopter at night hover over the house and then uh, have a light shined right down on the house? Like literally when you say hover, you mean hover shaking the whole yes, house. Yes, the house would, and the kids would get freaked out like, oh, what's going on? And then I would just say, oh, they're just practicing. You know, they're just kind of. Um, but then I'd get the weird uh, phone calls, too. Yeah, and when I pick up the phone, it was like a, it was computer generated. They're various tones that were computer generated. And so there was an actually there was an FBI guy who told me that I was being under surveillance. I mean, he was a, supposedly a good guy, but he he wow. checked into it and he goes, "Oh yeah, you're being tapped." So, well, yeah. what what happened to me? Um, I get the black helicopters that would fly over the house occasionally, but it was mm-hmm. it, they wouldn't hover over the house. They just kind of like fly around in a circle and leave. Yeah. But what I got were the phone calls. 
<clears throat> I remember distinctly the the craziest one I ever got was you know when I had first started doing stuff for uh, Ground Zero and you know I had a rinky dink little website back in the day in the nineties and uh, I was asleep and uh, <clears throat> my girlfriend now wife uh, was sleeping next to me and we had an unlisted telephone number because I'm paranoid yeah and, <laughs> and so. It was a Saturday morning at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. on the dot. I mean, it wasn't like 8:01. I mean, it was like 8 a.m. on the dot. Uh-huh. I, I get a phone call, and I roll over and I pick up the phone and I'm half uh-huh. asleep. I'm a college student, right? So 8 a.m. is pretty early. And, and I'm like, "Hello," and the guy's like, "Hey, is this Olaf Phillips?" I'm like, "Yes." He goes, "Do you run a website called the S4 Database?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes. I have information for you. I'm like, okay. And, you know, he, he went on to tell me that, that uh, basically that they were running UFO tests out of Beale, uh, which was not far from where I lived. And <clears throat> he knew the schedule. Huh. And he said, <laughs> he said, hey, I'll take you out there. I mean, it's like right out of the X-Files. Hey, I'll take you yeah. out. I'll take you out there. I know exactly where to be and I'll show you. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, sure. He's all, okay, I got to go. Bye. And the whole conversation was less than 60 seconds. And the, right. and that's, from what I understand, that's the that's to keep it from being traced. Gotcha. And uh, I, I went back to sleep. And my girlfriend elbows me and she says, well, who is that? And I said, I don't know, some some guy, UFO guy. And she's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I said, I don't know. He thinks there's UFOs at Beale. She's like, what do you, what, what? I mean, we're both half asleep. And she goes, how did he get our phone number? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. And she goes, well, our number, she's wide awake now. Our number's yeah. unlisted, isn't it? And I said, yes. And she goes, did you put our, our phone number on the website? I said, no. She goes, well, how did he get our phone number? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> and he never called me back. Interesting. And, and for for years after that, Again, this is the old days. Right. For years after that, um, when I would pick up the phone, I would hear clicks. Yeah. And, and I remember the, uh, right. the click days, clicky yeah. days. Yeah, it'd be like click, click. You hear this. Mm-hmm. You pick up the phone, you're like, hello, and you click. Yeah. And, and basically what that was is that was a mechanical – we had a mechanical phone switch because I lived in Davis mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. weren't very sophisticated. And so that was a mechanical phone switch engaging a, a tap. Yep. And this went on for a long time. And every time I'd get phone calls, I'd get clicks. And after a while, I, I realized what they were doing. I did some mm-hmm. research and I figured it out. And so they would come on and I hear the click and I go, nuclear bomb, nuclear bomb, nuclear bomb, you know, to set them off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then after a while, the clicking uh, stopped. I did the same thing. Oh, yeah. And then I used to get I used to get searched uh, every time I got on an airplane. I got searched without fail. You know, so I got harassed that way. But nothing anymore. I mean, I haven't been. That hasn't happened to me for a while. But then again, you know, they could tap my phone and I would never know now because it's digi- right. it's digital. So they're probably still tapping. My, well, I guess they tap everybody's phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, though, I heard some weird tones on my phone a few weeks, like not a few weeks ago when I first started talking about this stuff. Hmm. Yeah. 
So I don't know. That's bizarre. Well, the tones, I mean, Ron can speak to it better than me, but the tones, you know, those are usually trigger tones, right, Ron? Yeah. Well, actually, because we were safe housing a a woman who was uh, running away from the mob from Las Vegas. And, you know, the reality is, you know, the mob and the government are, you know, in bed together. They have been for, for years. And uh, so, but anyway, it was like, uh, as soon as the phone would ring, she would like almost run to the phone and I'm going, I'll call her April. I go, April, what are you doing? And she, oh, I'm sorry. I just felt like answering the phone. I'd answer it. And then I'd hear those tones. There is like a computer noise. And then all of a sudden these like high pitched sounds. And it was like, what the hell? But they were trigger. They were trying to trigger her to activate her activate part of her uh, brain to do something weird shit i mean curing candidate stuff oh yeah yeah she was probably (laughs) yeah well that's how they they did it it. but i mean this was uh confirmed by uh some um people who worked in intel when i told them the type of noises and then they go oh yeah if you this you know selfish plug but if you want to hear more about that kind of stuff, we did a podcast on uh, Operation Monarch or Project Monarch. And yeah. Ron yeah. Ron really went into how all that works. So you should yeah. definitely listen to the Monarch uh, episode. It's not yeah. a, it's not a funny episode. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no. No, but then see we also have a uh, a book out. It's called MKZine, an examination, of course, of mind control and invasive human experimentation. And you can get that uh, through Paranoia Publishing. It's actually a compilation of magazines and newsletters I'd put out back in the uh, early 2000s when I had that. Uh, it was the only uh, magazine dealing with, uh, like, uh, course of mind control at the time. So, yeah, it's pretty good stuff. That's trippy. Yep. You know, you know the guy who did have a, a real strong Men in Black experience. Well, aside from Tim Tim Beckley, who who did the UFO silencers, which you should definitely read, uh, and he's he has supposedly the only positively identified uh, MIB photo of this guy standing mm-hmm. in a doorway. But definitely right. check out the UFO silencers. But the the other guy who has a uh, <clears throat> amazing MIB story is Clyde. And yeah. it's called the West Desert Alien. I mean, I won't do it mm-hmm. justice, but basically this guy was a prospector and he was out on the edge of Dugway and he was walking through the desert and he found uh, a body and he didn't know what to do. And he took a photo of it and brought it back and developed it. And he mm-hmm. took it to Clyde and he said, hey, Clyde, I found an alien body out by Dugway. And Clyde, of course, is very excited. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. <clears throat> and so he goes on the radio. And he says, oh, you know, I have a photo of a dead alien. It's on the website. And so everybody goes and looks. Mm -hmm. The next day, these two guys in black suits show up. And (laughs) they say, hey, Clyde, you know, Clyde tells a story much better than I do. But he says, hey, you know, uh, you shouldn't show that photo. That's a... that's not something you should do. And Clyde's like, yeah, freedom of freedom of speech, freedom of press, whatever. Like, well, you know, bad things happen to people who do things (laughs) like that. And Clyde's like, yeah, yeah. If anything happens to me, I'm going to go on the air. They'll know you, you, you bastards did it and whatever. They're like, whatever, you know? And so they left the next day or a couple days later, Clyde gets into his car. He had like a geo Metro. He gets in his car and he's turning the key and nothing's happening. (laughs) 
And then suddenly the front end of his car blows up. and No way. Yeah, yeah, uh, fireballs and catches the yeah, carport on fire. It's like a sloth, white phosphorus type yeah. thing. Yeah, or- and so <clears throat> he, uh, he gets out of the car, calls the fire department. And so they put out the fire, and then they bring in the arson squad. And Clyde's like, well, why are you bringing in the arson squad? Didn't my car just overheat and blow up? And they're like, no, 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 no. This was a controlled demolition. And he's like, I don't understand. He goes, well, basically they, they had a, a, a pack, like a, a pack uh-huh. that they had put on the, on the engine. And when you turn the key, it ignited it. And it ignited uh-huh. a fuse, which ignited this and fireballed your car. And the investigator told him, right. it's like, hey, whoever did this is a pro. They knew exactly what they were doing because they didn't mm-hmm. want you dead. You're living right. because right. they decided that you get to live. And Clyde's like, wow. oh, I, right. I was visited by two guys in black suits who told me not to do this kind of stuff. So the guys, <laughs> guys come back. If I remember correctly, the guys come back and they say, hey, we heard something bad happen to your car. And Clyde says, yeah, my car caught on fire. You guys wouldn't know anything about that. And they're like, us? No. But, you know, if you do, if you show that photo, bad things are going to happen, I'm telling you. And Clyde's like, fine. Right. And so he didn't yeah. talk about it for like another 10 years. Oh, my yeah. God. And, and basically, Clyde's like, look, I'm going to drop it, okay? You guys win. I'm not going to fight you, but what is it? Mm-hmm. And the guys say, well, look, since you, mm-hmm. since we're, we have an understanding, basically what, you, what that guy found was a dead soldier in a chameleon suit. He had gotten separated from his unit, and he died of dehydration. And we don't want people to talk about the chameleon suit, and we don't want to to show pictures of dead, you know, dead soldiers. And so we want you mm-hmm. to just drop it. And Clyde goes, okay, I'm going to drop it. And he's pretty much dropped it. I mean, he, he talks about it every once in a while. Right. You know, I think it's, I think it's in a book now. But, mm-hmm. yeah, no, he, he had a doozy of a MIB, MIB experience. Now, what's a chameleon suit? Uh, basically, yeah. it's a reflective suit. You wear it, and it's like adaptive camouflage. So it kind of um, makes you invisible, basically. Gotcha. Okay, got it. Okay. Yeah, I mean they they work on all sorts of kooky stuff out there at Dugway. Gotcha, but that's yeah. But for me, it's mostly phone tapping and searching mm-hmm. me on airplanes. But like I said, that hasn't happened in a while. So he would have been cooked alive though if if they didn't rig that explosive right. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it would have fireballed the inside of his car, and whoever did it made it directional so it just caught the front end of his car on fire yeah he had plenty of time to get out mm-hmm. it's a wake up call yeah, big big wake yeah. up call but you know I, I've written about it before I mean there there's a body count you know there there's a body count in ufology and conspiracy theory I mean you know Danny Casolero is the most famous the octopus but there are others mm-hmm. Ron yeah, Bonds Gary, Gary Webb Gary Webb yeah. Ron Bonds Jim Keith I mean, Jim mm-hmm. Keith, you know, he, he wrote the, the book on black helicopters, falls yep. off a stage at Burning Man, breaks his knee. They tell him, oh, you have to have orthoscopic surgery. And, you know, and he goes in, they put him, they put him under and doesn't come back. Ron, and he, he kind of knew that knew. that would happen, too. Yeah, he told He, he his, didn't really want to go. No, he didn't want to go. He told his family, if I die, they got me. And then, oh my God! And then Ron Bonds, Ron Bonds published uh, all of Jim Keith's stuff, pretty much. And um, he published Illuminate. He published all kinds of uh, conspiracy stuff. 
uh, he went to dinner with his wife and some friends at a Mexican restaurant in mm-hmm. in Atlanta, and um, you know he everybody was great except for except for uh, Ron Bonds. He came down with some sort of bacterial infection, E. coli kind of thing, and he died. And they said that the lettuce that he ate was contaminated, even though the lettuce that everybody else ate was fine. So there, there's definitely there's another guy too. It's actually really stunning. I forget the guy's name, but he he was doing a presentation and he goes up and he has a he has a can of Coke and he opens the Coke and he drinks he drinks the Diet Coke and then he they turn off the light and then when they turn the light back on he's laying on the ground foaming at the mouth dead and the can of Coke is gone and the whole thing's like on video. Where was this? Uh, it was at a Mufon convention. No shit. No shit. There's, there's. Are a, you kidding me? I wrote an article about it called "Publish and Perish." There's a and there's whole, a video. There's an, there's a video of it. Yeah. He just stops talking and falls over, and that's it. So the you said the lights went out. Yeah, because he was doing a PowerPoint. And so the lights. So someone out. assassinated him in the middle of the PowerPoint. Well, he drank something, and it and it was fast acting enough. That it kicked in while the once he tripped the PowerPoint. Yeah, oh, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. I mean, if you go if you go to the wrong places, bad things happen. That's the only thing I can tell you. Yeah. It, you know, as a conspiracy. Yes, but we. Yeah. To be careful. But Olaf and I are pr- protected by the uh, Pleiadian Starfleet, so I think we're good for a while, anyway. You yeah, know? that's a good way to look at it. You yeah. know, one time, a, universe. a long time ago, you know, my old website, the S4 database, it was on a server uh, out at this outfit, and they had a fiber cut, and the fiber cut, they only had one uh, high-speed line into the data center because it was cheap and, you know, whatever. All, this, all the space you want for, you know, for $19 a month or something like that. And they had a fiber cut, and so my website went down. And at that time, my website was growing in popularity. Mm-hmm. And after it goes down, I suddenly get all these emails from all these guys. Have they got you? Are you okay? I mean, I must have had, like, half the militia, like, offering to come and, like, surround my house. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Lovely guys. Those guys that offered to do it were good people. Back in the nineties, I tell you. Back in the nineties, it was like, like it was the crazy times. So the nineties were crazy. The nineties were yep. very crazy. Well, I mean, you, then you had shows like The X Files and Dark Skies, and oh, yeah. you know, a lot of conspiracy related type shows. So it was, it was it was a wild time to be doing stuff. Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah. All right, so Joe, how do people find you? Uh, online at Zero Dark Radio or follow me on Facebook, uh, Joe Cerletti, C E R L E T T I. And of course, uh, we're on Facebook, uh, Paranoia Magazine. Uh, we're on uh, Twitter, Paranoia Mag. Uh, Instagram, Paranoia Mag. Uh, I don't know. I think that's all the uh, Paranoia Publishing.com, Paranoia Magazine.com. Mm-hmm. I think that's it, right, Ron? I believe so. I think you covered it all there, Olaf. You know, Joe, thanks for coming on and, and talking to us about this stuff. You know, we wanted to get somebody on who is knowledgeable. And I think you've definitely demonstrated that. You know, we covered the conspiracy stuff. I think we opened some people's eyes on how, you know, how this is all going down. And, you know, I really appreciate you coming on. 
I appreciate you guys having me on. I had a great time. I'm glad you had a lot of fun. We try. <laughs> I did. Ron, last words? Yes, sir. Uh, well, uh, another exciting episode of the Paranoia Podcast. Stay tuned for the next exciting episode. Coming soon. Yes, and, and Ron, I've been talking to the guys who made the movie uh, Project Avalanche. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. try, I'm trying to get them on. They they want to yeah. come on. So uh, very, very near future show. We're going to have the guys on uh, from Project Avalanche. It's mm-hmm. a movie about the fake moon landing. Mm-hmm. Got some CIA guys that infiltrate NASA. Uh, more details yeah. soon, but more podcasts coming. Zon right. Well, we're going to try to do it more on a regular basis now. You know, summer's over. We're back into full swing. So we thank you for uh, – listening to the paranoia podcast all right be excellent everybody take care thank you for listening to paranoia radio hosted by olaf phillips and ron Patton. sponsored by paranoia magazine read it now paranoiamagazine.com intro theme the guide was composed by scott moon scottmoon.net Outro theme Fighting Trousers is by Professor Elemental ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo host of Cinema Insomnia Watch new episodes on OSI 74 Visit us at OSI74.com We are resuming for now.